Stuart Holman here and good to be with you again for this third in our series of daily devotionals in the book of Lamentations. We've already noticed that Lamentations is shaped very intentionally around a stepped pattern or, or a structure, five chapters where each chapter internally works its way through 22 verses following the Hebrew alphabet initially and, and then slowly unwinding as we progress through to chapter 5. Already we've reflected on the fact that Lamentations uses this pattern to help God's people pray through their grief in exile. Each step is a part of a process of working through grief. This framework provides training wheels and guidance for the person of faith to bring their lament to God. As Christians, we can enter into Jeremiah's lament and in so doing learn how to lament our own sin, our own losses and work through our own grief. And so as we arrive at chapter 3, we see that it's a kind of triple bonus chapter, 66 verses, which take us to the very heart of the book. In the Hebrew, the first three lines all begin with the letter Aleph, equivalent to A. The second group of three lines all begin with the letter Bet, or B. And so working his way slowly through the alphabet, Jeremiah pours out his lament to God. And just for a few verses, a few moments, let's enter again into Jeremiah's grief where everything he's ever known of his people's relationship with God has been violated. I'm the man who has seen affliction by the rod of the Lord's wrath. He has driven me away and made me walk in darkness rather than light. Indeed, he has turned his hand against me again and again all day long. He has made my skin and my flesh grow old and has broken my bones. He has besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and hardship. He has made me dwell in darkness like those long dead. He's walled me in so I cannot escape. He has weighed me down with chains. Even when I call out or cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. And so from A to B to C, this form, this discipline of steps shows us that grief is a journey to be walked through. It might be repetitive and slow progress. But the pattern helps us. It gives us something to do with our pain and also helps us keep moving, putting a task in front of us as we process our loss. Reading on in Lamentations, we hear Jeremiah cry out to God over the desolation and desecration of the city of Jerusalem. But notice here how his experience is now intensely personal. He drew his bow and made me the target of his arrows. He pierced my heart with arrows from his quiver, I became the laughingstock of all my people. They mock me in song all day long. He has filled me with bitter herbs and sated me with gall. This is personal now. Jeremiah speaks in the first person. Such is his identification with the city and the temple. And he's not afraid of the realization that it is God who has allowed this suffering to come his way. Of course, it's the Babylonian army that has inflicted such terrible pain on Jerusalem, but Jeremiah knows that God sent them and that God had the power to stop them, but he didn't. And so without denigrating God, we acknowledge that God is sovereign over our suffering. God could stop the suffering, but he hasn't, not yet. And although we might not have Jeremiah's prophetic insight into the reason for his people's suffering, we can be sure that God must have a purpose for us in it. If God does allow us to suffer, he must have a purpose in that. He's achieving something in our lives or perhaps in the lives of those around us. 
We may not discern that purpose at the time, or we might. But whatever happens, our grief and our laments are also an opportunity to grow. Listen to the way that Paul puts it in Romans 5. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. At the end of the chain of growth through suffering comes Christian hope, a confidence in God's certain good purposes in the future and a confidence that has the power to change the present. As we continue exploring Lamentations 3, we soon arrive at a significant turning point. Even though Jeremiah is feeling absolutely smashed by his grief and the burden of his suffering surrounding the fall of Jerusalem, in verse 21, he shows us what to do at the bottom of the dark pit. Verse 21, Jeremiah writes, Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Jeremiah makes a deliberate decision to call something to mind, and the result is he has hope. What does he call to mind? Verse 22, Because of the Lord's great love we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. So in the midst of tragedy and utter desolation, Jeremiah purposefully thinks on God's character. Given the pyramid structure of the Book of Lamentations, we know that we are at the climax of the book here, right at its heart. Because of God's great love, we're not entirely consumed. Yes, we might have been brought very low, but he has preserved us this far. In fact, his compassions for us never fail. They are fresh and new every morning. So we should never underestimate how much God loves us. Our feelings are an unreliable guide in this matter. No matter what we might think, no matter how low we may feel, God loves us with a passion and a commitment that ultimately leads Jesus to the cross for us. He thinks we are of inestimable worth, so much that he traded the life of his only son for the forgiveness of our sins. And I take it that this is the kind of thing that we should deliberately call to mind the result of which is that we have hope. We have a reason to endure. But there's more here too. Jeremiah also calls to mind that God is absolutely faithful. He never leaves us. He never fails us. He always remains true to his promises no matter what. God may choose not to take away our pain, our problem, our disgrace, whatever it might be. But in the midst of it all, remember he is utterly faithful. He will be with us and pull us through. Verse 24, Jeremiah satisfies himself with these truths. They are sufficient for him, no matter what has happened, despite all that has come before. God's love and faithfulness are Jeremiah's satisfaction. And I take it that God is also sufficient for you and me, and that we would do well to dwell on his person and in his character. And so we've arrived at the center point of the book of Lamentations. God is sovereign over all suffering, and he is compassionate and faithful. For no one is cast off by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief, he will show compassion 
So great is his unfailing love. Some years ago, friends of mine lost their baby in childbirth. The baby was buried at French's Forest Cemetery and every single day for well over a year, this couple got in their car and traveled from Manly, where they lived, to French's Forest just to visit the grave. Some days they'd take a picnic and just sit there. Some days they would actually just stand and stare at the ground. They knew that their baby wasn't there, but this became their ritual, their discipline. They were walking the journey of grief, and I started to wonder if there might not be something wrong. But then one day, they decided that they didn't need to go back. Their grief had moved to another phase. It was being processed. They got to the end of that alphabet and started again, but now on different terms. Their lament had moved on, and they were growing through the process. A few years later, they had a second daughter, to whom they gave the name Hope. May our laments and grief turn to hope.